Welcome back to the Bruce and Pelters podcast, everybody. Um, this is season four, episode five. I am Keegan. Joining me as always, Toby Hinefeld. Tobes, how you doing? What you sipping on tonight? Keegs, how's it going? Uh, I am sipping on a triptych brewing. Uh, it is a imperial double IPA. It's a New England style, uh, but kind of hazy as well. And uh, it is called Nectaranazor. Nectaranazor. And I am breaking the rules tonight, Keegs. This is an 8.8. Oh, God. And it tastes syrupy. Uh, I want to hear what you're drinking, probably an Oktoberfest, but I just want to <laughs> have you pour one out and maybe get some prayers up uh, for Luis uh, Rubiales of Spain and his mom. Who I will not pour her- any out for that loser. Who, who has locked herself and on a hunger strike in a church <laughs> in Spain uh, because her son is being falsely accused of everything that was caught on national worldwide television and other things. So, yeah. So pour one out for her, and uh, what are you drinking, dude? Yeah, I'm good. I'll, I'll save my beer. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking, you're right, I'm just going to keep it going with the Oktoberfest. It's a Marzen-style lager Oktoberfest from Potosi Brewing um, out of Potosi, Wisconsin. So I, I think um, I would have called that Potosi. You say Potosi? Yeah, P-O-T-O-S-I. You think Potosi? I think if there's two S's, okay. I'm going Potosi, but... I think I'm going to go Potosi here. Yeah, Potosi Brewing Co. Um, Yeah, first sip here, actually. So we'll see. You know, you need to start rating all of these Oktoberfests. This is like your third or fourth one in a row. I know. I've done a really, really bad job of continuing with the Untapped app. Yeah, what is going on? Remember when we started this year? (laughs) We were like, yeah, it's going to be our resolution to log every beer both of us drink i've logged a few but i haven't recorded like any of yours yeah i really need to so that's all yeah no you're good you're good don't worry about it so pretty good what is it rated so i would give it a 3.25 out of 5 okay it's good it's good not amazing but good yeah well let's get into it what do we got going on today this episode well toby you sent me the outline this morning and it just said (laughs) Liverpool slash Darwinio. So uh, <laughs> I figured we'd talk maybe a little bit of Premier League and a little Serie A as we always do and, and just go from there. Yeah, I like it. Uh, the Premier League, it's exactly where we all saw it. Tottenham in the top four, number three above Liverpool where they belong and right below West Ham. Uh, and then, you know, you have City running the uh, running the whole show at number one. And yeah, that's where we're at. That's how we all predicted it with West Ham in second. <laughs> And Tottenham in third, yeah. Um, yeah, West Ham's been amazing. Um, I, I, I just feel like, I mean, they beat Brighton 3-1 this weekend. And last week, we both agreed that Brighton is, like, arguably the most well-run yeah. club, not just in the Prem, but in the world. And they completely handled them. Um, I continue to be extremely impressed with West Ham. And they just signed Mohamed Kudus. And yeah. last week we were talking about how really the weak link in their their lineup seemed to be Thomas Suchek playing back. Um, the week before this week, they lined up with with two holding mids, Ward Prowse and Suchek alongside each other. This year, this week they lined up a little bit different. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they've got a guy who can slide in and provide some more energy and give a little more legs. 
in place of Suchek now with Kudus. And I, I just feel like they're, they've just reinvested so well. Yeah. I forget the, uh, the Mexican that they signed from, uh, Alvarez. Yeah. I, I think he's going to be very good for them as well in the middle. Huge. And then with James Ward Prowse, uh, I mean, that's all Declan Rice money that they spent right there. That's, and they still have a little bit more left in the coffer. Uh, But yeah, with that being said, Mikel Antonio's still showing to be a force in the league. Didn't expect that. You really uh, dipped off last year after two years ago, having a phenomenal yeah. start to the season. He, he yeah. really dipped, and, and he's come out this season just on fire so far, which has been fun to watch. Yeah, the reggae boys, Perrin. Uh, Jared Bowen, uh, who had times last season where he flashed and looked really good. Uh, I think he's taken it even one step further. Uh, and he's he's like starting to go into that top uh, forward, especially outside wing forwards, uh, where he's kind of taking on that role where he's he's looking to, you know, not just take over West Ham as the primary scorer for that club, but also be one of the top scorers for that position. And I think he's on pace, man. He's got that pace and that first touch that on his goal, that was one of the prettiest first yeah. touches. So yeah, yeah um, that was incredible. Impressed with but, him. And then James Ward Prowse, man, like, what can I say about him? Like, it looks like this is his boyhood club. Like he just seamlessly fits into this. And like, he, it's like, he's been there since day one, you know, and he's only been there a few weeks. And so like, I, I have nothing but good things to say about him as well. Does feel like the perfect move for him. It, it almost feels like if he would have gone somewhere I don't want to say bigger because West Ham is a very big club, but somewhere maybe that competed a little bit higher in the table last year, maybe there's a chance he could have got a little bit lost in the mix and just been the set piece specialist um, versus, and his, you know, obviously he still is a set piece yeah. specialist, but he's done more than that just a couple of weeks in at West Ham. Yeah. He, like you said, he just seems to fit in perfectly. And his game is way more than just set pieces. And I I, yeah. I agree with you, Keegan, because I think if he would have gone to, say, a Tottenham or a Chelsea or another club like that, that they have other midfield uh, partnerships already, um, I I think if he would have gone there, he would have been maybe his talents would have wouldn't have been utilized as correctly and he maybe would have been wasted a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, even when he lines up with those set pieces, like you're like, oh, shit, like his corner kicks are phenomenal, everything. He hits people in the forehead like they don't even have to attack it. So, yeah. How good does it feel to throw Tottenham in there um, with that as far as not needing a creative midfielder? Because last year, say halfway through the season, you would have been like, yeah, give me JWP all day, every yeah. day. And now it's like, yeah, he, he might just get lost in the mix at Tottenham. I How was good crying. does that feel? You guys set up this week with Bisuma and Sar as the holding mids. Son... Madison and Kulusevsky in that front three line with Richarlison ahead of them. Um, who was it? Uh, Udogi left back, uh, Vandeven and Romero in the middle at center backs, and then Poro uh, at right back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would you change a thing? No, that's the that's that's, that's their the, best lineup. Yeah, and honestly, with them specifically. They did make changes. They played in the Caribou Cup today and already got bounced in Fulham. First team, by the way, to be bounced uh, from the tournament. Uh, <laughs> we won't nine, focus too much on that. No, they did nine changes in it, though. And the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because Tottenham 
they have to stay healthy in the midfield. If they don't, they're they're going to get ran. They're a top four team right now. They look like it to me uh, when they have the midfield purring. If they lose half, like one to two of those guys, they're not even in the top or they're in the bottom 10, I would say. They're not a very good team without their midfield. Case in point today. Uh, and that's leering because like AFCON's coming up, you know, and that's Ease Basumo and uh, Pape Sar. So mm-hmm. like that's two of our midfielders. Hoybier, I don't have any faith in him anymore with this current uh, setup that we're going with. Uh, he's been linked to as recently as Manchester United. I think that'd be amazing for him to set up next to Casemiro. I think he'd be head and shoulders better than anyone that they would have on that roster currently to, really? to position. Um, and then I don't think Oliver Skip is a good enough player to be asked to do what some of the other midfielders are doing. And then Gio, Giovanni Lacelso just hasn't really done as much. Um, so, yeah, with the midfield, I think we just have to do a little bit more. Uh, and I think with them getting bounced so early, like I'm trying to be like glass half full here and just pretty much be like they're looking at the prem and they're doing really well. And it just proves that they need to spend some of that cane money like West Ham yeah. did with Declan Rice, you know, investing back into the squad a little bit. Um, do, I guess. Do, do you ahead. feel like he kind of fucked you guys over? And I'm obviously the guy's making a huge life changing decision. I'm sure he's not thinking, Oh, let me fuck Tottenham over. But do you feel like him leaving a little bit late kind of fucked you guys over where it's like, man, if we could have had this money, a month and a half ago to invest, we really could have built up a little bit more because I agree with you where it's like Hoybier, Skip, they're not bad players to bring in off the bench, but if a player, if a Madison or a Basuma goes down, you don't want those guys starting and relying on them to play a full 90 minutes week. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it was kind of some poor, uh, poor timing, but uh, I don't think that was on Harry Kane by any means. You know, I think yeah, that was just yeah, the business definitely. side of it. But definitely. yeah, definitely, I mean, to ship him out just a few weeks, I'm going to say, what was that, last week and a half ago? Barely even that. So two, And two-ish. the and Friday, this Friday is the deadline for signings. Right. Uh, and there's going to be, I think, quite a few happening in the Prem, uh, especially a lot of loanies. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I wish they maybe had a little bit more time just to kind of figure things out because I don't really have any trust in Daniel Levy. Uh Besides for negotiating, I don't really expect him to really have a great direction. Squad based on what he was given and then based on the signings. Like pretty much everyone who was a bright spot been signed in the last two seasons. You know, like Romero, Van de Ven. Mm-hmm. And then you have Udogi on the left side who looks amazing. And then you have pretty much the forwards and midfield that are all new to new wish players. Like none of them are really uh, featured for Conti or even for any of the managers before that. We lost you for just a second due to a poor internet connection, but um, I I think Mm. people could probably piece it together. You're talking about and just doing a lot with the few signings that he's gotten the couple signings he's gotten and the guys that Conte brought in that didn't really play a ton. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of where I'm, I'm thinking if they could just get one or two more guys that he wants. And it kind of sounds like it's a Brennan Johnson from uh, Nottingham Forest. And then there's maybe one or two other guys that they need someone in the forward striker position because Richarlison, even though he got a goal today, which is huge for him, I don't, he's 
just so out of sync right now. I think he needs a little bit of time and maybe get uh, someone who's willing to run uh, past the back line, you know, defenders and get in for those through balls. Uh, I think that Tottenham can really, really look to uh, exploit a lot of that, especially with their current structure of having the wing backs playing in the middle. Um, But I mean, it's still so early in the season. It just, it was kind of, it was like typical Tottenham, you know, screwing over a, they're screwing up on a tournament. But at the same time, I hope this was like an eye-opening experience for like Tottenham management to be like, hey, you got to, we need at least two more players, one in the midfield and a forward, a striker of some sort. But we definitely need at least one more midfield. And if we have any guys leave, we need to have them replaced. You know, and they're looking to shop four guys right now. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you if it almost feels like a, a blessing in disguise. And you already alluded to that where it's like, Hey, this shows that we've been competitive in the prem, and if that starting eleven isn't out there, we might be in some trouble. So they should be splashing some of that Harry Kane cash yeah. at the end of the window here. And um, so English Englishmen celebrations. Who has the best celebration? Is it James Madison with his first goal for Tottenham, uh, throwing a dart? Or is it James Ward Prowse? James Ward Prowse hitting golf swing always gets golf swing. Me. What about Harvey Barnes and his arrow that he sheaths from the back and shoots? Arrow's good. Yeah. 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 I do like I that as well. All right. So you just don't like the dart. That's fine. Whatever. The dart's fine. What I enjoyed more was um, there was a clip. He was over. Uh, <laughs> James Madison was. Um, over by the Bournemouth supporter section, getting ready to take a corner, and they're all giving him shit. And he moved oh. the ball up like two yards in front of the the little corner semicircle, mm-hmm. and they all lost it, like trying to call him <laughs> out to the lines judge. And he just turns and starts laughing at him, and then pulls it back to the yeah the actual spot you can take it from. Dude, and I mean, did that. and they they all started cracking up, and like it's like I think the caption was just like if any player could could win over an opposing side at their pitch it's james madison it's like the guy is just a a very lovable player and it's fun to watch him just fit in so well at Tottenham. yeah yeah he uh everyone's saying he he could be like captain in two or three years because he's got that like oh, charisma sure. and leadership ability and then uh i think yeah i just think everyone likes him he's kind of like what in case anyone's wondering Keegan and I actually got to have a little face-to-face interaction, a little date day. We did. We did. It was nice. Had a little pico de gallo, watched a little yeah. uh, Spanish. Um, <laughs> we didn't have uh, – we had some technical difficulties, as always. Shout out Telemundo. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, watched a little uh, uh, Jared Bowen scoring on us uh, with the Spanish announcers, and that was nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, elsewhere around the Prem. Arsenal 2, Fulham 2, that's a huge, huge point drop for for you and I as Tottenham and Liverpool supporters and really everyone ac- across the, the league, Ar- you know, <laughs> if you're not an Arsenal supporter. That's a big, big – and Arsenal honestly did well they, to come back and score two goals, but um, – They look I mean, confused. They yeah. look different out there. I don't know how to describe it. They just don't I, have I think that. they were stunned. Um, because I, they gave up an early goal and it was Saka playing a ball back in a tight space. He was very deep. He was within their own half and was just played a ball in a tight space and tried to play it back. And it was, he played it poorly. 
and Andres Pereira got the ball. It looked like he tried to chip Ramsdale, who was caught out, and he just kind of made shitty contact, and it ended up just curling in, um, which was lucky, but, you know, they capitalized on a mistake from Saka and, and ended up, you know, 1-0 up, and then I thought Vieira from Arsenal played really well. He drew a penalty that Saka put away to draw him even and then whipped in an absurd ball to Enkedia, mm -hmm. who Enkedia continues to impress me. Not a super difficult finish because the ball was so good, but yeah. from a neutral perspective and as someone who likes to see good players succeed in, in the Prem, Mm -hmm. especially young players and to see him playing the way he is. Um, I think that's really exciting for Arsenal supporters. Unfortunately for them, a, a corner um, Fulham took a man down in the, I think the 76th Paulina caught perfectly out of the air, um, which bad defending on Arsenal to allow a player to, to catch a ball on his foot off a corner um, shouldn't be acceptable, especially a man down. So I, I think that's a huge point drop for them. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Uh, and who who'd you say scored the goal? Was it Palfinia? Yeah, yeah, he's been he's been pretty good over the last season and a half. Like he's probably their best midfielder, uh, especially in the attacking position that he gets into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's big points dropped for them. United almost dropped some points to Nottingham. Nottingham came out also punched them in the face, similar to the way Fulham did Arsenal. Um, immediately scored on a counter. Uh, Awoni, just a burst of speed. A ball was cleared out almost to midfield, and he just sp dead sprint, caught a header over their back line, and he was just off for a for a breakaway and tucked it in. Um, so, <laughs> so United play Arsenal this week. Uh, that's actually my showcase game for Sunday. Yeah. Uh, but United's got to figure out some stuff, you know, like I was saying about the the two boys from Tottenham going to AFCON, Onana's doing the same thing for them. So they're going to be without him for a good portion of next month. Uh, I think that's when the tournament is, is in September. Um, Maguire won't leave. And then Veron, Shaw and Mount are all out weeks to months, you know, yeah. and like, it sounded like Shaw's pretty bad from what uh, I've read. Uh, so hopefully it's not, but we'll see. But yeah, it's looking like three of their main, you know, staple players that have been in the roster minus maybe Mount as much, but he's gotten starting time every, every time that they've lined up. And uh, yeah. So for them to be out quite a bit, it, I mean, the schedule's only going to get, you know, heavier and thicker from here on out, especially for them uh, being in the top positions that they were last season. Yeah. Yeah. The going to have to step up there. Um, I mean, that's that's who they're going to have to rely on for Shaw because Shaw's had injury issues in the past as well. He had a very serious leg injury um, a couple of years ago, so that's going to be big for them. And, yeah, United does have some some questions to answer because they got punched and they, they came back. They won. Um, I mean, Willie Bully scores a header. They're, they're down 2-0, and, and United just chipped back. Rashford back in his preferred spot at left wing. Squares the ball in, Erickson taps it into the goal. Involved in the second goal as well, Rashford chipped the ball far post to Bruno, who did really well to, to square it with his head to Casemiro. And then they draw a penalty. Rashford draws a penalty involved in all three goals. I mean, immediately gets moved to the left wing and plays a thousand times better than he has yeah. the previous two weeks. Do you still have um, 
Eric Ten Hag's uh, email address for us to email him this uh, clip of this video being like, hey, here's some ideas. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not that difficult. Um, <laughs> they do need Hoyan to, to, to get healthy, though, because they still need that guy in the middle. They still need a striker so badly. And I think that'll probably change the makeup of the team a lot, especially if he, he plays even halfway as well as I think he's capable of eventually playing. Yeah. Um, but just having a guy in the middle who is a true striker, I think will will totally change them. But um, anyway, they, they, Rashford draws a penalty. Bruno buries it. But they feel like it's one of those things where it's like good teams find a way to win, and they found a way to chip back and win. And last season, it it, it felt like – I mean, they, they, they finished in third behind Manchester City, who's one of the greatest teams ever assembled, treble winners – and Arsenal, who was unbelievable for three-fourths, yeah. if not more, of the season. Mm-hmm. And they 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 finish in third. But even last year, it didn't feel, like I said, good teams find a way to win, and, and they found a way to win. But it, it never – like, I, I still don't know if they're a good team or not. No, that's, that's funny you say that because that's exactly how I am. I'm like, there's just too many questions about them that I – I don't know if I should take them seriously. Like I would not ever put any money on them to get top four and then they're third or fourth. You know, it's like they're they just kind of ebb and flow. Like they never the only time I ever really feel like they're like really cooking is when Marcus Rashford's on a heater, you know, like he was, I think, for yeah. like a three-week period last year. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I mean, where are they even at Manchester United in the standings right now? I mean three, it's three games in right now where yeah. Um well, I'll shit on them when I can. <laughs> they're currently in eighth, but I mean, they're they're there with Brighton and Villa, who also have six points, and then Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, and West Ham all have seven. City's the only team who's who's three and zero and zero. So, yeah, um, they've been playing nobodies though. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, we t- we did talk about them last week, and just the fact that you know, I mean, this is the first time ever where you've you've even been able to remotely challenge their depth and, and especially in the middle of the pitch. So it is interesting. Um, it is just interesting to, to look at that and see, you know, I wonder what moves they'll make because obviously they were targeting Paquetta pretty hard. And now there's question marks around him and his future with these allegations. They were apparently going after Eze as much as I love and rate Eze He's a similar player to Phil Foden. He's not going to play an eight. He's going to play a 10, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So maybe you move Foden to a wing. But, you know, again, they've got Graylish. They've got Alvarez has done a good job at the wing. So I don't really know who they go after. Obviously, they've got all the money in the world, so they can go after whoever they want. But I don't know who that player is with this tight of a deadline where you've got, what, two, three days, two days? Yeah, two, uh, two days. So, I mean – I don't want to say there's it feels ridiculous to even say there's question marks around city, but compared to the standard that they've set, there's question marks around city. Yeah. I was going to say, don't, don't be scared to say that. Cause I'm, that's the only thing I wrote down in here. They keep winning, but they don't look scary. That's like literally yeah. what I wrote down in my notes. Uh, Rodri had that late winner. He's, he's always good. Like he's like a cornerstone of them. And uh, Joao Cancelo is officially off the squad. I guess he got, I forget who he moved to, but he's loaned he's out. Gone. Yeah. I, I can't actually remember either, which that's a obviously huge move. I want to say it was uh, Barcelona. I want to say Barcelona as well, because they were yeah. 
rumors with him going and, and joining Bayern and then rumors elsewhere. But yeah, I, I yeah. think it, I think Juve he might have been linked to. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to say it was Barcelona. So yeah. Well, I how mean, long how long are you gonna uh, avoid the topic? Yeah, Liverpool. Yeah, let's. Just, I was gonna say let's just let's not put this I, off any I'm, further. I'm sipping on an eight point eight right now. I don't know <laughs> how much Huge, longer I'm gonna Toby. I'm gonna keep this Huge. in. Huge. <laughs> Three points. So, so big. Um, I, I instantly messaged the group. I didn't message you individually, but I messaged the group, and I was like, uh, LOL, Virgil van Dyke. That was – he was complaining about it, dude. That To me, that was clear as day, a red card. A guy was in behind him, last line of defense, right outside the box, like a perfect red card. And even before that, Newcastle was actually purring at the start of the game. In my, I thought they were really good looking, and they they didn't do what they did against City, where they just kind of sat back. But Liverpool also, for quite a bit of the game, they they didn't really have the midfield that I was hoping for. Uh, Savage, what's that guy's name? Sobosly. Sobosly, yeah. Sobosly, yeah. So I was going to say Sabitzer. there. Uh, Sobosly is looking really good. I still – McAllister just hasn't given me that the same feels that he gave me when we were watching uh, Brighton. You know, when you watched him with Brighton, you're like, oh, there's the Scottish Argentine, you know. Like he looks <laughs> so good. And then you see him at Liverpool and just doesn't always have it. But I, for that, I thought Newcastle just was – good and then i expected them to lock that game in and they didn't and i remember messaging you i thought it was over like when that red card i'm like oh yeah no way they can hold off newcastle newcastle has the attacking threat and then they also have pretty solid defense and their midfield's amazing uh super impressed with tonali i think he's still head and shoulders their best midfielder and uh yeah, I just don't know much more to say. They brought in long staff, and they just didn't have enough firepower to really compete with Darwin yeah. Nunez. Yeah, and, and that's the thing that stands out the most to me. I, I complained the first week, hot start against Chelsea, and then fade off. Um, the second week, give up a, a bad goal early, and then fight back and dominate the rest of the match, win 3-1. And then this week, yeah, another terrible start. Trent giveaway to Anthony Gordon. Uh, I wouldn't. He bags it. He just, yeah, he just it was lackadaisical. He it was a lapse. Yeah, it, it yeah. was just a, a mental lapse. Um, Which you, you can't, can't do you can't that. Have that. Yeah, you can't have that, especially I'm, when you're the last man back in that situation. He was. So I mean, that's that's a bad giveaway. Um, and and then you know minutes later after that they play. Isak through and Van Dyke gives up, you know, a red card. And he, it, it, it was a red. It absolutely was a red. He did get a little bit of the ball, but he, he absolutely got Isak's foot. I'm not going to argue that in, in any way. So he's I can understand as a player. It. He I, sold I, it. Yeah. I can understand as a player in the moment frustration, but, and I think he knew he was going to get a red regardless. So I think he just, that added to the frustration he just kind of lost it you know yeah you could read the lips um you know yeah that's i think he's getting reprimanded for that either i want to say financially but 
Uh, Which is a whole other thing too that I think is interesting. Like I, I try to put myself in the situation of referees sometimes and you got players putting hands on you and stuff. Same with the NBA. Um, and you've got players saying, you know, I'm, there's players who say much worse than that and get zero reprimand. Um, and I personally think referees should be able to just give it back to them um, would be my preference with that. I mean, as long as obviously no one's crossing a line where it's, it's, personal or like obviously hate speech or anything like outrageous like that that's crossing a line you know as 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 long as it's within reason i don't mind a little bit of uh flavored fruity language uh to be exchanged between them and i think that the referees should be able to give it back i think that with that territory it it, you should be able to get a little pushback yeah, yeah let's, absolutely. Let's mic them up. Let's if, do it. If I'm a referee and and somebody's coming at me for my craft, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it right back to him. But regardless, it's a clear red, um, horrible start. But so, to fight back a man down against a team who is as talented all the way through from from defense to attack as Newcastle, and and they bring on four or five subs, and all four to five of those subs are phenomenal players. Like they were yeah. bringing on Harvey Harvey Barnes, and uh, I can't remember the forward's name all of a sudden. Uh, Wilson, they brought him on. Callum like Wilson, yeah. Like they're not just subbing like for like. They're, they're I mean, they they're are. Subbing, excuse me. They're subbing they're like for like. They're not just subbing like a guy who fits that mold, but isn't as quality. Like yeah. Wilson, Wilson could play anywhere up top in most most of the league. So. Yeah, and and that's what made me so happy and so hopeful with this match is that fight. Like that was my biggest complaint week one is just that burnout after that first and, thirty minutes. Yeah, and and to sustain one, not allowing them to score while a man down, a team that good can't score on you a man down. That's it's- an issue in itself gets, if it would have ended one nil that that's a win it, it sounds stupid but i mean i know you guys had to sub i think you sacrificed luis diaz if i remember right you sacrificed yeah, him through yep. joe Maybe gomez on or someone yep um which i think joe gomez is being linked to other places as well which you can't get rid of him he's the godsend for you guys uh <laughs> but that. i i felt like tactically liverpool got a little bit better or more structured when they went down a man where you guys actually had an attacking threat. Like it wasn't, it never felt like 11 V 10, you know, it was, yeah. it felt like 11 V 11, even though you were down one guy. And that's why I want to ask you, is there issues with Newcastle and, and what they were doing, or is that just a Liverpool win and uh, Darwin Nunez finally stepping up for the team and you could tell how much it meant to him. Yeah. Um, kind of two heads to that. So one, Sorry, I got excited. I, I, I think Newcastle will be really disappointed with that, but I, I think that that shows a ton of character from Liverpool that we lacked for a lot of last season. And I think that I think that when you go down a man, especially against a good team, and you play a style where Klopp is just like, hey, we're still going to go for an equalizer. Swag, there, there is swagger, no parking the bus. Swagger and, Klopp, yeah. Swagger yeah, there Klopp, is no parking it. the bus and hoping that we don't give up three. It's we're going to go find an equalizer. And, and I think that attitude forces you to react in a situation like that, where it's like, okay, we have to make up for the man down, which I, I of course, hindsight's twenty twenty. We ended up with three points, but 
I love that that is the reaction to it because it puts the players in a really difficult position where they have to be, I mean, the, the, the energy levels and work rate have to be extremely high. And on top of that, the discipline has to be extremely high. So it makes the remaining 70 minutes really, really tense in a way that the players have to respond. And they did. And yeah. that, again, going back to week one, you get off to a hot start against Chelsea, and then it seems pretty lax from there. And then all of a sudden, they score another goal, and you're chasing the match, and you're chasing the momentum, whereas Liverpool went out and took the momentum from a disadvantage. So to me, that shows a ton of character in the team, which, again, we lacked a lot last year. So that was a huge sign for me. On top of that, Darwin, two huge goals. Um, I mean, he was set free on both of them, which, which is what I think he needed because he's been coming off the bench. He's been getting limited minutes and it's tough to create something by yourself as a substitute when you get 15 minutes to, to just come in and have a moment of brilliance, individual brilliance. And he was kind of set free and set loose in both of those moments. And if you put that wide, that's a chance you've missed and then your confidence is really down, but he, he stepped up and he took those chances. He, and I think that's huge. He got that striker's luck where that defender, I forget who it was. Uh, Stan yeah. Hotman, I want to say yeah. kind of Played fumbled it over it, but yeah. that finish, I said it, it was Harry Ken at Harry Kane esque. Like yeah. it was Crossed phenomenal, phenomenal finish across the goal. Uh, you, you could not have hit that more smoothly and hit it off the post into yeah. the net uh yeah i mean he I, I think he needed that so much uh that leads me to a few other questions i had i mean i i love cocky jurgen klopp that's like freaking light and death note and he's just writing down <laughs> all the shit that pisses him off throughout a game and like he shushed the, the coach afterwards like like klopp's back man he's back to doing his three punches or three pumps yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it and it sounds corny as shit, but Liverpool needs that like energy. They do. And oh, I, absolutely. I, I think you guys have been lacking that, even though you've been winning a lot of matches. But last year you were so fluttery that it just mm -hmm. Liverpool just wasn't the Liverpool that we were expecting over the last two or three seasons. Uh, but that leads me to can Liverpool be a challenge for City and Arsenal for that number one spot in the Premier League this season? And, uh, I mean, Darwin got two goals, so he's instantly on the golden boot race. Uh, can he go further? Because, I mean, it sounds like Mo Salah possibly is gone. So this is three questions. Can they be number one against City? Darwin, Nunez, golden boot. And are you worried about Mo Salah leaving? Um, and we'll I think with, you would. We'll start with I, the last one. That's what I was going to say, because I think Darwin has to do with Mo Salah leaving. Yeah, and... Um... I think we're in a place right now, and I said this to start the season off, where we've got a lot of options up top, and obviously that depth is great to have, and in the last couple of seasons have shown that, and we've, we've highlighted that a ton with how important it is when you're competing in multiple competitions. I'm fine with Mo leaving, especially if we can get good money for him, because... How much is good money? I'm sorry, Keegan. I... I mean, he's, what, 30, 31, mm -hmm. 30. Um, he's done everything he can for us. He's been amazing. Obviously, it'll be really sad to see him go. But I'm fine with giving up a 30-year-old who has won everything with us if we can get 
I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what the going rate would be for him, especially with Saudi. But I mean, if we can get enough money to go and sign a good defensive midfielder in, in December, I'm completely fine with letting him go, especially See. considering that we've got Luis Diaz, Cody Gakpo, Diogo Jota, and Darwin Nunez up top, who for most Premier League teams, I would w be willing to, to wager at least 12 to 13, maybe more Premier League teams. All four of those players could be in the starting three attackers um, that for a team who plays three up top. Yeah. I don't I, doubt that any of them would. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with that. So daily mail, uh, the mirror CBS sports, uh, as of within the last 24 hours is saying dollars, 162 million bid, but that's including personals and everything else and a bunch of weird add-ons. So it's looking like it's like around 80 to a hundred. I was going to say if the club, could get 70 mil for him. I'd, I'd be fine with that. I really, yeah. Would. I want to say it's around 60 to 70 plus yeah. like 30 to 40 of add ons. So if he like does 60, so much crazy fine. stuff, honestly, know, 60, I'd be fine. Um, because again, like I, I don't want to understate how much Mo is meant to the club. No, he, he'd be like, a, he, he, he's the only comparison I could think of in the world, not just in the Premier League, but it'd be human son of Tottenham. You know, he's he's a cultural icon. Yeah. Uh, not just, I mean, Mo Salah is the number one player in Africa, in my opinion. Like, he's the yeah. number one African yeah. player. Middle East African, of course, but just like Human Son is the number one Asian player from Korea. And I think if you leave that, you just don't leave marketing and money dollars, you know, for that general region of the country being fan supporters of you. But you're also giving up a player who is literally been i mean he's when you think liverpool who's the first player you think of over the last five ten years yeah it's probably he's, he's it's probably most a lot over the last five years so and we're in a place right now where yeah again as amazing as he's been i don't see him getting better i see every season from here on him slowly declining and we've got the players who can fill that void yeah from a, a quality standpoint so Again, I love him. Don't want to see him go, but if we can get 60 mil plus for him, I'm completely fine with it. Yeah. Um, he, and that style of play just it it's tiring. You know, it's gotta yeah. be. And for yeah. a guy that age, having a someone like a Darwin Nunez coming in for golden boot winner. Yeah. So that leads to the second part of the question. Um for Darwin, I mean, coming into the season, I thought he had a great summer. I think he's been really well embraced by supporters. This weekend is only going to bolster that even more. I think that Darwin could absolutely have a shot at Golden Boot, but he needs the minutes. So if Mo leaves, it only helps his case even more because he's going to be our right winger. Um, or he's going to be our number nine, one or the other, um, just depending on where Gakbo or, or Jota fills in. So I think it's absolutely within reason. He just needs the minutes. Again, he's been coming off the bench, getting 15 minutes or so, which has been a little bit disappointing to me. I love Gakpo. Um, I, I think that if we want goals, we need Nunez in there. But again, you know, I mean, Luis Diaz has shown he can score goals. Obviously, Salah can score goals. So I understand why Gakpo's in there, maybe to just pull some strings and be a, 
a Bobby Firmino type of replacement where he's in there for the interplay. He's a really big, out. he's a really big guy. Yeah. Is. yeah he is. Like he's long and like, lanky. Yeah. Um, that's all but, I had to share about Gakpo, by um, the way. <laughs> that's your scouting report. <laughs> Passes the eye test. Uh, no, I'm I'm I fully believe that Darwin, I, I think that this could be his kind of breakout year where last year, you know, everyone has these outrageous expectations for strikers. I'm afraid of that for Holyund at United, but that's a whole different talking point. Um I think this is the year that that Darwin could meet those wild expectations. And honestly, Salah leaving just opens that door even yeah. more for him. I love it. Week three, you're already saying Darwin's awesome. Like, this is phenomenal. I've already said it about Madison and Eves Basumo. Like, we're here <laughs> three weeks in and we're overreacting already. It's yeah, cool. we're going to get rid of Salah and, and <laughs> Nunez is going to have a, a season-ending ending injury. And, and then we're going to need attackers um, whoa whoa no, whoa, whoa. no I, I, already, don't, I don't want to throw that out I, there i already brought the negative vibes with a mom yeah. starving herself in a church <laughs> so let's <laughs> not, let's not go further down this road please and then your final point here um i think liverpool can compete for that that top spot with city and arsenal i think they're as good front to back but defensively there's some questions joe gomez we i think we have to keep right now not because he's an incredible player God, but because can, you had him on skates all last season just it, well he puts himself on skates but and yeah. and i love joe gomez but he's just really hasn't been what we all hoped he would be um with that being said he can he can fill up a, a spot back there when matip is aging he, he Ate is injured. He fills two spots almost, you know, center back and he can play he can. A, a can, yeah. side back as well. He can. Um, but we need depth back there is is the end of the story. I mean, Konate is injured. Yeah. I think that's our biggest question mark right now. We finally got some midfielders. Um, we've got options up top. But, you know, Matip is getting old. Um, you know, Van Dyke red this week doesn't help. But, you know, Van Dyke's obviously going to be there barring any injuries um we did have a debut for jarell kwanzaa um, he's a young kid yeah yeah so i mean hopefully that can add some depth in the back but we've seen this kill teams i mean this this killed us a couple years ago where we just didn't have any depth in the back line last year with arsenal you saw um saliba go out with an injury and it, it hurt them this year they go out and they they add some depth with urian timber he gets injured literally the first match of the season. So it, we just need that stability in the back. And mm -hmm. I think that's going to be our biggest question mark is just, can we compete with these teams defensively? And I think as long as we stay healthy back there, I think absolutely there's, there's a shot for, for challenging city and arsenal. Yeah. I was, I mean, we've said it. I mean, this is season four, episode five. Bruce and Belters podcast, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter X. Uh, but yeah, we've said it multiple times this, this episode where Arsenal just don't have that vibe that they did last year. Last year, I didn't want to face Arsenal at all. This year, I haven't got that yet. And the same with City. Like, I feel like they're beatable, if that makes sense. They haven't been getting beat, 
but they look like they could be getting beat if they were playing against like the correct the correct squad, I guess. Um, so yeah, I I think Liverpool, in my opinion, is probably the third best team in the league. Uh, but currently Tottenham's there, and so you gotta work for it, Keeks. You know, you you can't take the king down unless you you know slay him. So. <laughs> That one Tottenham have looked dark. good. Tottenham, <laughs> Tottenham have looked really good. Um, Wolves with a win over Everton. West Ham, we already covered 3-1 win over Brighton. Um, Aston Villa bounce back, 3-1 win over Burnley. Palace and Brentford draw 1-1. Um, and I think that's it for, for the week. We already covered City beat Sheffield 2-1. As far, before we get into Serie A, um, this coming weekend... We've I have got... two. I have two games I really want to showcase. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, uh, the two I want to showcase are Saturday, Sheffield and Everton. Uh, you're probably thinking, Toby, you forgot Brighton and Newcastle. Nope. Both those teams are in middle to lower the pack right now, so I don't care about them. Uh, wow. Just, just kidding. Uh, but who scores a goal in this game, Sheffield or Everton? Because, <laughs> because <laughs> they're both so bad, like uh... so, so bad. I mean, Sheffield scored against City, so my heart wants to say Sheffield. Although, I mean, yeah, no, my heart wants to say Sheffield. Me too. I don't. I don't see anybody at at Everton right now who who I trust to score a goal, and that sucks. But are we are we both going one zero Sheffield? Yeah, unless Tarkovsky comes in with a header off of a corner. Um, that's I, I feel like that, their, their slow old center back is is the one that I have the most hope to score. With the biggest for. ears just flying right to the header. And a, a lot of people might think as a Liverpool supporter that makes me happy. It really doesn't. It makes me really, really sad to say that. Oh, my God. That is phenomenal. We're on agreement. 1-0 Sheffield. Yeah. Ever, ever, there's only like four teams in all of the FA top four that haven't scored a, a single goal and have zero points. And it's Luton Town, Sheffield, Everton, and like one other club, I want to say. And, and Everton's like the worst of the group of all of them. Like, oh my yeah. God, I cannot stop shitting on them because they're trash. Then uh, <laughs> Sunday, Arsenal United. It's a big yeah. game. Like, yeah. it's a Huge. very big game. I don't even know where it's being played. If it's being played in London or in uh, Manchester, but um, let me check. I got it pulled up here. I'm also looking forward to Crystal Palace versus Wolves. Um, of course, you are. I think Wolves have, you know, they've they've shown some some moments this year. Um, Arsenal United is at the Emirates, so Arsenal with a slight advantage there, but. Yeah, I, I think Crystal Palace Wolves will be a nice matchup. I could see a 1 1 or a 2 2 draw um, for that. And then, of course, Brighton Newcastle, which you glazed over. Um, I think will be a good one to watch as well. Yeah. Should we get into Serie A? Yeah, that's fine. Sounds good. Should we start with the Hot Boys at AC Milan? We should. So, what to watch this Friday? Them playing Roma. That's going to be an amazing game uh, because. Dude, they are purring, and it's like last year I picked up on Napoli. This year I feel like I'm picking up on AC Milan. I need two more years. Give me five years of watching Serie A, and then I'll pick a team to live with for the rest of my life. Yep, by commit, I mean I will tattoo a six-by-six-inch tattoo of their logo on my back. 
just kidding. Wow. I will not do that. <laughs> we we discussed um, Richarlison after a, this is something I wanted to bring up earlier, and I I kind of had a brain fart. But Richarlison, I think scoring in Carabao today is huge for him because he's a player who, if he would have gone another week or two without scoring, I would have truly been really really concerned. I already was a little bit concerned for him. Yeah, um, mentally, because mentally he's had and chances. personally. Yeah, yeah, because he's had chances and he hasn't put them away. So I think that's big for him. I do just want to publicly state that we had discussed in the group chat that if he scored 15 goals this year in all competitions, you challenged somebody, I think my brother Ben, to get a tattoo of Richarlison. And I said, if he scores 15 plus, I'll get a tattoo of you <laughs> in your junior high basketball uniform. And I was fully ready to commit to that because if yeah. he didn't score a goal within the next week or two, I could have seen him scoring less than 10 this season. In case you guys are wondering, that that basketball uniform, I cut off a white undershirt, the sleeves of a white undershirt, and wore that as well. So I doubled up on that. So I my traps and everything looked phenomenal in that basketball <laughs> uniform. So. That was the style back then. Mm, it was. But back <laughs> back to <Asian> Milan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Polisic, two from Giroux, Teo got on the board. Like, what more do you need, Keegan? Like, honestly. They got firepower. Um, they play really well on the break, and I think it starts with that midfield. Obviously, Teo Hernandez at left back making overlapping runs certainly helps. But I mean, to Johnny Rinders, Loftus Cheek, super hardworking, and Kunich, right? Then Kunich in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same midfield as last week, and it's. I don't think it's going to change, even with Eunice Musa coming in, and he actually got playing time for Loftus Cheek. That those three are phenomenal on the ball, and they track back, and they yeah. they boss the game. That they allow the playmakers to make plays like a Pulisic like a Tio Hernandez or anyone like that. Yeah, they're moving as a unit. Um, really nice piece of play for the first goal. Um, Loftus-Cheek, Pulisic played him on the break. He um, tried to square a ball into Giroud, went a little bit behind him. But again, they they move very well as a unit, and Pulisic is right there making the run behind Giroud. And it, I mean, the ball just falls right to him. The entire defense is focused on Giroud. Goalkeepers over towards the near post, and Pulisic just has an open net to tap the ball into. Um, and and I think that's the biggest thing. It's just their work rate and how well they move as a group up and down the pitch. Whether yeah. it's it's getting forward in attack or tracking back defensively, I think that they've got a really nice chemistry going. Um, unlucky handball for Torino for the second. Giroud buries the penalty. Teo Hernandez, cheeky little like half chip near the touchline for their third, and then a second penalty on a late tackle on Rafael Leao, and Giroud scores the goal again. So, I mean, they're putting up goals, and Leao hasn't even scored yet. Yeah. Um, one of the most dangerous players in, in Serie A the last couple of years, and he's been involved. So, I think he will, you know, score goals and get going as the year goes on. But the fact that they've got that many options who can score and create. Uh, Chukawazi. Yeah, crazy. They yeah, subbed him on, dude. He's on that right side. He looks phenomenal, but he's like doesn't really have that final third finishing in him uh, right now to be polished. But dude, that kid just gets the ball and he just takes you on one v one. He just tries to dribble past you every time. 
He's and, dangerous, and and that's the thing about him. They're so dangerous. Seventeen shots, seven on target. I mean, yeah. like they're, yes. they're just gonna pepper people with shots this year. So you're you're probably wondering about the goal assist ratio of Pulisic and Giroud after this <laughs> game, and it's a uh, two for Pulisic, four total for Giroud, giving a total of six between them combined. Uh, Osiman and Kavika, who was back. Three goals for Oseman, one assist for Kavika gives a four total, so six to four. That's with Kavika missing the game as well. So, I like that. I like that. We need to track that throughout the year because I did uh, say Oseman and, and Kavika. I, I think we'll we'll end up on top. I'm wishing you maybe would have said Di Lorenzo though, because he, he's been cooking for Napoli right now. Been, the yeah. The Italian is coming in hot. Yep. Um, Roma dropped points to Verona this week. Um, and Verona was even a man down for a bit of the match. Tough start to the season for them with a draw against Salernitana last week, followed by a loss. Usama Awar scored his first goal, just kind of a right place, right time. Um, Pellegrini put a shot on. It just caught like the the back of the of the Lodi's boot. And Awar was just right there and just nodded one in. Um Really nice goal for him in Gonge for Verona. Cut in with a – put a fake shot on Smalling, got him on his back hip, finished with a curler. While Smalling was playing him pretty tight, it was a really nice goal. Um, Roma, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm not sure what the issue is for them. Um, they've got some players, obviously, Awar, Pellegrini, Renato Sanchez and, in the middle. And they're still signing players. Like, they've signed a player, I want to say one of their – they signed a player, I want to say, yesterday or today that was like, I'm like, oh, that might be a good signing for them. So well, they, they're getting players. They're bringing in Romelu Lukaku. That, who, is that who I'm thinking of? Uh, long, I would imagine I would imagine you would have remembered Lukaku, but what do you expect from him? Um, I, that's what I don't know because Mourinho kind of has that sit back and counterattack style and big rom is not fast by any means he can take service into the box of course but he's not the fastest guy. he just has really quick feet you know he can be so, a target player up there though and I, I think that i mean the way they set up this past weekend what they it, set up at you've got you've got dubala up top mm-hmm. with Bilotti, and i think that you can maybe drop dubala into a, an attacking mid roll because they played three in the back. Well, I guess five in the back with, with wing backs, three in the middle, and then the two up top with Bellotti and Dybala. Okay. Uh, I, I think that you could – so Awar didn't start. Sanchez didn't start. I think you could keep – and I I don't know. I mean, I feel like Marino maybe will want to keep playing with, with wing backs, but I think that you could play Bellotti – and Lukaku up top with Dybala at an attacking mid. And then you could go Pellegrini, Awar, and Sanchez in the midfield. So Pellegrini and Awar are a little bit more attacking. Sanchez is a, a deep-lying defensive mid. And then you've got your back four. But And then what, Spinozola's just odd man out? No, I mean, I, I think Spinozola should play left back. But okay. it, again, it just depends. Does... Does Mourinho want to play with wingbacks, which throws all of that off, where I feel like they've picked up midfielders. They've got Cristante, Paredes, Pellegrini, Awar, Renato Sanchez. Like, they've got a lot of midfielders. Do you really need Zalewski and and Nisen 
at left wing back and right wing back or no. Karsdorp off the bench. Like, I for me, it just makes more sense to play four in the back with Mancini and Smalling at center back. Um, and then either Zalewski and Spinazzola or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. And, and then let your midfield cook and, and have Lukaku up there as a, a target man with Dybala and Belotti to play off of him. But I don't know. I, th- I think there's a lot of question marks around Roma after being really hyped up on them to begin the season. Now I'm like, well, how the fuck are they going to fit all these guys in? Yeah, they, they've only collected three points. You know, they, yeah. or excuse me, one point. They they tied and they've lost. So, yeah, they're yeah. not looking great. But it'll be a big test. The hottest, big test. the hottest team in, in Italy and one of the hotter teams in Europe coming up on Friday with AC and And Keegan, that is a Roma is plus 170 on DraftKings and uh, over under is two and a half goals. I would take over on goals because AC Milan scoring goals like crazy. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, Roma have scored three in two matches, so I would definitely take the over on that. If you lose, don't blame me. And I think AC Milan will beat them three-one. Okay, yeah, and it's at Olympico Stadium in Roma, so. Yep. Um, Juve, unexpected point drop from them. Uh, yeah, Bologna. Uh, it could have been way more too. Vlahovic saved them. Like literally, they wasted Timothy Weah's phenomenal touch that went viral like two days ago uh that not much more to say honestly with me so yeah uh nice goal from the scottish international lewis ferguson for bologna came off a nice worked like wait there's there's scots in 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 italy believe it or not yeah yeah (laughs) okay they roll their r as well so uh they fit in (laughs) they fit in nicely um but yeah a, a player who stood out to me 22-year-old um, Dutch player Joshua Xerxes. He was kind of the target man for Bologna. Mm-hmm. Um, his play in the tight space actually set up Ferguson for the goal, and he had a couple other nice pieces of play throughout the match. But um, went through some clubs in the Netherlands, ended up at Bayern toward the end of his youth career, and was loaned out a couple of times before signing for Bologna last year. He only made, I think, 12 appearances for them, but I thought he looked solid. He looked dangerous at times for them. But Juve came back, applied some pressure. Vlavic put one away, but Rabio was called offside. Weya had that rip that dipped down to the, the bottom left corner. Bologna's keeper made a really nice save on um, Pogba. Paul Pogba back on the pitch. God Spoiler bless alert. it. God Spoiler bless alert. it. That is my cheer for the week. Um and yeah, he worked his way out of a tight space, played a ball out wide to another young player to keep an eye on, 19-year-old English winger Samuel Illing Jr., um, who also came in as a sub along with Pogba. And he whipped in a cross that was inch perfect, just put it right on Vlavic's head, and he put it away, and, and they end up salvaging a point from it. This team cannot lose Vlahovic, can they? No, I think they're really lucky they didn't. And I think yeah. he's lucky they didn't because I think Juve is going to be very good this year. I still think they will, despite the fact that, you know, I think this is a disappointment to draw with Bologna. I thought Bologna played well. Um, and I, I think that Juve have a really good squad with a lot of weapons. Um, like I said, Illing Jr. is a player to watch. Kies is amazing. Vlahovic is great. Pogba, if he gets spun back up to speed, obviously we know what he can do when he's healthy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Rabio had a great year last year. I, I think that they can be and really, really good. And you expect them to be very, very good this year. And they play Saturday against Lazio. Uh, you wasn't that your last week and the week before's episodes? Yeah. Wasn't that your one and two? Yeah, and Lazio have gotten off to an awful start so far. I'm I'm over two with Lazio and Roma. <laughs> the the two Roman teams have significantly underwhelmed me. Um, they lost one nil to Genoa. Um, so yeah, I mean Lazio's got some question marks. They put up 16 shots, only two of them were on target. They had 71 percent possession. Still found a way to lose. Um, Kamada started in in the midfield. That was a player that I wanted to keep an eye on. Um, along with uh, Ravella, the the young Italian who didn't even come off the bench for them, um, and I don't think played last week for him either. So, yeah, I think they've got questions in the middle of the park, kind of maybe figuring out some of those newer signings and and fitting people in. I think they're still going to be a good team. They finished second in the league last year, but uh, it, it maybe it's just one of those cases of bringing in players a little bit late and getting them spun up to speed here in the last in the first couple of weeks of the season. Overall, though, yeah, I think Napoli Lazio will be a fun one to watch. Hopefully, for for the sake of viewers, Lazio can figure out those those question marks. I think Roma and Milan, like I said, I, I think Milan is just a better team right now. And then right. I think Inter Fiorentina will be a really good one to watch as well. Um, yeah. Fior- Fiorentina always sneaks up on me as a really good squad, honestly. Yeah. I mean, they had a good year last year. They had a really good start week one. They won four, one over, over Genoa um, drew two, two with Lecce this past weekend, which I mean, Lecce, Came out and beat Lazio two one week one. So as, Lecce as, Lecce's got Salernitana, who have a pair of draws um, so far two weeks in. Against, yeah. by the way, against Roma, who again we've had high expectations for. Then against Udinese, who had a really good start to the season last year. So I, I'm just happy Syria. I feel like the first two weeks, I'm not disqualifying some of the teams, but I don't think there was any like primetime matchups, you know. And this week you have Napoli. Uh, Napoli. You have Napoli, Lazio, and then you have AC Milan and Roma. So both of those, like, phenomenal to go with Sheffield, Everton, and Arsenal United as our four Brews and Belters games of the week. Just came as coined that right now, and I didn't even <laughs> didn't run that by you, Keegan. I'm sorry. Don't worry about it. Belters of the well, we already do Belters. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have to come up. We'll workshop something there. Yeah, let's do that. You got any boost cheers, belters? Do we have anything else to talk about Syria real quickly? Or? Not a lot of belters this week. Um, I'm going to give it – I already gave a cheer for our boy Paul Pogba um, back in the lineup after a tough injury last year. So hope he stays healthy. I think he could play a really pivotal role for Juve. And mm-hmm. um, the game's just better when when Pogba's healthy and he's playing well. It's, it's so much more entertaining and, and so much more enjoyable. And he came up at Juve and lit the world on fire. And I hope that he has a resurgence in Serie A again. Yeah, me too. Uh, pray for his legs. That's all I hope for. Knees and ankles, like, yeah. healthy. Uh, I have a boo and a cheer. My, my cheer is for the U.S. Open Cup and mainly CBS Sports because they allowed it to be free. It's the first time I've been able to see Messi play for Miami. I am an Apple user. Pay for it. 
and I can't even watch the MLS games I want to watch because the, the the free ones are like the bottom feeder MLS teams. <laughs> but then all the other MLS games that are the primetime ones, they you have to have an MLS pass. So you have to pay for it, which is, I mean, that's fine. But just tell us up front. I would yeah. cancel it. I mean, there's no Ted Lasso. What's the point of, of Apple TV at this point for me? And so cheers to CBS mainly for making it free for everyone perfect marketing on their part as well. Like you can sign up for $2.99 a month or whatever it was very cheap per month. Uh, and you get Syria and champions league. Like what more do you need? I'm not going to lie. I love CBS's coverage. You love I, Kate I, Abdo, bro. I, I, I get love it. Kate Abdo. I've loved her since I started watching the game. Um, since high school, I've just loved this woman. Star cam. <laughs> The star cam was a little much. Uh, they had a camera that just followed Messi the entire match, and you could stream. That's kind of that. weird. I don't watch that. Or I the thought that, yeah, I, I thought that was a little corny. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, but you know, it is what it is. They got to appeal to. Yeah, but the, they got to appeal to the market. They literally probably have five to six cameras running at one time. Right, and might as well you know, get pitch the side side. For it. And you have one dude who's like, this guy's just supposed to watch Messi. Like, oh, well, why don't we just have him yeah. stream it? Yeah. If we get 100 people it. that only care about Messi, yeah. that's $299 a month times 100. That's what, $299? Oh, times 100. I bet they had thousands. I would like to know the numbers that they got I mean, just that's, for the star cam, honestly. I mean, I can do the math real quick. Which, is, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is actually hilarious because it's obviously Messi's the most electrifying player of all time. But he's also a guy who, for like 86 minutes of the match, is just going to walk around in like a 10-yard section of the pitch. Yeah. And not do anything. Yeah. And then right. all of a sudden, he's going to go off. <laughs> so I, I just thought it was funny. And I was like, all right, this is a little bit overkill. But again, I get it. Get your <laughs> but with that being said, you bought the subscription. And you were literally watching. <laughs> being, and I didn't watch any of the match. I just watched Messi the whole time on the start yeah zoom in on his butt more please <laughs> like, like help me so that's my belter geeks uh brendan vasquez uh from cincinnati versus messi team messi he got a belter it wasn't even a belter belter but it was a really nice yeah. low driven shot uh that game was just fun it was there was a lot of scoring a lot of uh high leverage situations at the end of the game and pks and everyone stepped up and killed it so yeah MLS man, it's action packed. It can be a little, it can be a little messy sometimes. Uh, oh, it is action packed. Absolutely, love it. Do you have a boo or or a belter? Or I got nothing else. Stubbs, take us home. We're no, at hour six. No, let's just go because my boo is just for the Royal <laughs> Spanish Football Federation, the RSFF. Yeah, you know me. Uh, <laughs> super. I just can't be more annoyed. Yeah. by everything they do it's ass backwards it's not progressive it's everything you don't want your company that you work for to be a part of is what they do and yeah it's just as upsetting because it's like one thing after another and it's like not just one demographic it's like multiple demographics of whatever it might be like there it's just spain as a whole is like kind of coming out as ignorant in this whole thing for the football federation yeah and obviously there's a lot of spanish people and, and people all over the world 
speaking out against it. But yeah, I mean, there's there's been some really ugly, I guess, demographics and in, in areas of, of football fandom that have been exposed um, really over the last couple of years. And it's it's always been there, but it's been a yeah. lot louder with social media and, and stuff with people backing these decisions. So it's disappointing to see. Yeah, and that's what I think there's going to be more of that being brought to the forefront. And part of me is happy it's being brought to the forefront because I think mm-hmm. you need to not necessarily put these people on blast, but you hold I, them responsible. Yeah, exactly. And that's what yeah. I'm trying to go with with this is like yeah. there's not a lot of responsibility right now in Spain from what it seems like from my perspective. So, yeah, it's been going on behind closed doors. So bring it to the forefront and hold them accountable. Um and that's why Keegan poured a little beer out for for the <laughs> for the, the the mother the madre at a yeah in the church just she's yeah. still just praying like I don't know what else she's doing in there what else are you doing in church for that long ago <laughs> pray so let's get out of here Keegs I've had let's I've get- had one and a quarter eight point eights and I don't know if I can do anything else on <laughs> on live recording so. All right, everybody, don't be a piece of shit like Luis Rubiales. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll be back next Tuesday. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers.